Tonight, as we go into the Word, I ask that you stand with me as we read the Word of God. And it is found in Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. And I will read in your hearing verses 14 to 17. Genesis chapter 50, verses 14 to 17. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father charged before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Our message is entitled, when the family ghost returns. Let us bow our heads as we pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that night after night we have been coming here to this uh, fall revival series of meetings and you have been in charge of them. You have spoken to us collectively and individually and tonight Please, God, do not let it be different. If there is anything within this preacher that would prevent your word from going forth unadulterated, I pray that you will take it away so that I can be used as an instrument in your hands to bless your people. If there is anything in your people's lives that will take away the impact of the word of God, I pray that you will take it away so that they can receive a message that will not only be for time, but will be for eternity. And collectively tonight, please God, let the message be for the preacher and for the congregation that together, as we sit at your footstool, we can learn of you. We can learn with you and we can learn to be like you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. There they were, all the brothers together. Now Jacob had died, and suddenly, Everything that had happened in the past comes to the fore. They remembered how they had 
tricked their father into believing that Joseph was dead. They remembered how they had destroyed his magnificent coat by tearing it up and putting blood on it to deceive their father. They remembered how they had thrown him into a pit and sold him to Egypt. They remembered how he had rescued them from death and famine. They remembered the pain and the agony in his voice and in his uh, body as he revealed himself to them, still probably wondering, asking that unanswered question, why did they do this to me? They remember how he had treated them favorably, and now they were living in a very privileged situation, all because of the stone that the builders had rejected. They remembered that instead of dealing with them according to their sins, he had dealt with them favorably and lovingly and kindly. But still, there was something that was unanswered. There was something that was still lingering. Uh, the ghost of the past had come back to haunt them because in their minds, there was no way that, Jake, that, that Joseph could forgive them for doing such an atrocity to him. They, 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 they thought that, that in, in their minds that once daddy was alive, we were safe. In, in, in their minds, they, they thought that once daddy was still breathing, that we were safe from the supposed anger and revenge of Joseph. They, they thought that they were shielded and protected from his wrath because daddy was alive. Uh, but now that daddy was dead, the ghost of the past comes back. Isn't that sometimes like us and some of our families? When mommy is alive, everybody is together. When daddy is alive, everybody's together. But when they die, all hell breaks loose. Then there begins the fighting for money and, 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 and for legacy and, 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 and for land and, and for stuff that you did not work one day to contribute to. But now that the old people are gone, you want all. You want it all. And then there are some children who are greedy. They want everything. They, they don't want to share anything. There's always one. Maybe the older one. Maybe the younger one. Maybe the one who stayed home with the parents. And, and, and didn't leave them like the others did. Maybe that one wants everything and nobody else should get anything. So the greed is there and so there's the back and forth. Somehow in our own experiences, the family ghost comes back to haunt us. And there we see the children gathered and now, the reality of their actions that they took way back when suddenly comes back to haunt them. And they resort 
to lying. They said, before our father died, he said that you should forgive us. Now Joseph was right there when the father died. All of them were right there when the father died. But, but somehow uh, the, the father spoke to them and Joseph did not hear. When your father was alive, he said, please forgive us. And the Bible says that when Joseph heard this, he wept. Let me tell you tonight, friends, that the first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. And the first to forget is the happiest. Let me, let me say this again. The first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. And the first to forget is the happiest. It seemed to me that Joseph had not only forgiven these guys, but he had already forgotten about the issues and the situations long time. But they were stuck in the past. They were stuck with unforgiveness. They were stuck thinking that surely if it was me, I would have revenge. Surely if it was me, I would not do that. Surely if it was me, I would ensure that I take revenge for all that I put my brother through. Joseph had forgiven them. Let me tell you first of all here, and I'll make some points here, and then I will sit down. The first point that I would like to make here is that unconditional forgiveness is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because through the cross of Jesus Christ, the human race has been forgiven. Now, when you think about the human race, where well, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, when you think about what we have done, where we have been, where we came from, when you think of your life and what you have done and the things that you, the sins that you have committed, when I think of my life and where I've been and what I have done, it must be a bigness of grace that is big enough to forgive me and to set me free. Same thing for you. Unconditional forgiveness is the essence of the gospel. This is why Jesus Christ died. Let me tell you tonight, friends, young man, young lady, it does not matter what you have done, where you have been, how you have lived, God is willing to forgive you. You just have to come to him just as you are without one plea. But his blood was shed for you. And say, Jesus, here I am. Please forgive me. Unconditional forgiveness. Now let me tell you something, church, tonight. That secondly, with Christ, forgiveness is present even before the offender asks for it. You know, there's a song that says there is a fountain filled with blood. <laughs> Somebody hear me. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath the flood. Lose what? All the, 
all their guilty stains. Forgiveness is present with Christ even before we ask for it. It's a reservoir of grace that's waiting there for us to ask. It's a reservoir of blood that's waiting there for us to take the plunge and to come out clean on the other side. It's a reservoir of power that's waiting there to grant us the power to go and sin no more. Somebody ought to hear me here tonight. It's a reservoir that's already there, not created by you, not created by anyone except Jesus Christ. He did it so we can be forgiven. It's a reservoir of grace. You can tell yourself that I have a reservoir of grace available to me. I have a reservoir of grace, young man, available to you. The third point I'd like to make here tonight is this, that Christ's forgiveness of our sins took place at the cross. <laughs> ah, the cross. You see, the fountain is prepared from which we may draw. It is the church of the fountain which gives us courage to come and to drink. Because we know the fountain is there, we can have forgiveness. Let me tell you something. The greatest thing about forgiveness or the greatest challenge to forgiveness is forgiving ourselves. See, see, Christ has no problem forgiving us. Christ will forgive you now as you confess your sins. He has no problem with that. The problem that we have is forgiving ourselves. We see Jacob brothers, all these years, they have been carrying that guilt and that pain in their lives. They have been laughing, but under that laughter, there was that unforgiveness. They could not forgive themselves. And because they could not forgive themselves, they told that Joseph did not forgive them. See, when you don't forgive yourself, you think that everybody else has not forgiven you. You think that everybody else doesn't like you because you don't like yourself. You think that everybody else don't treat you well because you don't treat yourself well. You think that everybody does not adhere to you or, or, or engender to you because somehow you are the problem. Well, here it is. When Christ forgives you, he forgives the guilt as well that you have. But you have got to accept his forgiveness to get rid of the guilt. Somebody ought to hear me here tonight. So God calls us not only to receive forgiveness, but for us to forgive unconditionally. My next point. He, he calls us to forgive unconditionally. There are some of us here tonight who need to forgive people, some people that we have been carrying in our hearts for years. There are some of us here tonight, online and in this church, who have not spoken to family members because of some dispute for years. And we still come to church. We still carry the Bible, we still listen to our preaching, we still do everything else, 
We still worship God on the Sabbath day. We, we still do everything else. But deep down in our hearts, we have not forgiven our brother, our sister, our mother, or whoever else, the sister in church. And some of us don't sit on the same side with a member. We sit over there all the time because she sits over there. Now we are marching to Zion. So I'll with Zion. Well, we're going to Zion. That lady there? No. Zion, I'm going, I'm, uh, this Zion. I'm going to this Zion. Not, she, she's going to a different Zion. Let me tell you something. I had to grapple with unforgiveness. I told you the other night, I had to grapple with that. I had to grapple with it. I saw my father when I was 12 years old, man. And then I saw him at 18 years. And my mother, up to this day, anytime I speak with my mother, my mother will always say to me, and I know that this is being recorded, I know this is going to be on YouTube, I know that my children is going to be able to see this, I know the world is going to be able to see this, but that's fine because I've reconciled these things. So I can be vulnerable with you. My mother would say to me every time we talk, she would say, oh son, please forgive me for how I treated you when you were growing up. But I would say to my mom, mom, we have passed that a long time. You're the best thing that happened to me. You brought me to this world. You know, you know, she said, son, you know, after your father behaved a certain way, I jumped from the top step when I recognized I was pregnant with you. Uh, you see, today I'm so strong. I'm, I'm so uh, She jumped from the top step to the bottom. Do you want to get rid of me? Well. I wasn't going anywhere. Oh, uh, you know, son, I, you know, I used to give you extra lashes because you resemble your father. And every time I looked at you, I saw your father. And I said, Mom, you don't have to worry. I've forgiven you for all of that stuff. I've had to reconcile with my father. I had a couple of questions to ask him. And so I went down by him there, brought him to my house, spent some time, asked him the questions. He couldn't find the answers. And I said, sir, you don't have to worry. I've forgiven you. Now we are taking care of him. You don't have to worry. I've, I've, I've forgiven you. Listen, you have got to come to grips with this thing called forgiveness so that you can receive forgiveness from God. Somebody ought to hear me here tonight. You have got to come to grips. It does not matter how they have hurt you. It does not matter what people have done to you. When you look at what God has done for you, it is bigger than what anybody could do to you. I don't know if I'm talking truth here tonight, but that's all I talk. I want you to understand tonight, friends, that this thing about unforgiveness will take some of us down the wrong path and we will end up not where Jesus Christ wants us to go. When you carry around somebody in your mind, now some people weigh uh, 300 pounds. Some people weigh 500 pounds. Uh, 
maybe I'm too old-fashioned in talking kilometers and stuff now. I got to check with my children to see what that would entail. Uh, pounds will be all right. Okay, good. Uh, some people carry 200 pounds, 150, 50 pounds, 60. Now, you can imagine if you're carrying around somebody in your heart with all of that pounds, no wonder we get sick. It wearies you out, man. We have got to come to the place where we can say, I forgive you and mean it. Because God calls us to unconditional forgiveness. You see, the clarion call to forgive unconditionally is sounded in Ephesians 4.32. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing that you were the prisoner. Somebody ought to hear me here tonight. I'm going to say it again, Doc, because you requested. Forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing that you were the prisoner. You were the prisoner. So we have got to forgive. It's hard, but you got to do it. It's painful, but you have to do it. You will cry, but you have to do it. You will bawl because there's a, there's a difference between crying and bawling. You know what's... <laughs> some, of you, some of you have some Caribbean roots say, you know what's bawling, right? <laughs> right, Ellen Skeet? You know, Doc? <laughs> Sorry, good night, sir. I acknowledge you there. Uh, 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 you, sometimes you have to bawl, but you got to do it. Because your soul salvation is in the balance. You cannot receive the forgiveness from God and not forgive others. So I say this in another point here that unconditional forgiveness is not tolerance. <laughs> oh, your pastor, you know, she's awkward. I tolerate her, you know. She. <laughs> We don't, we don't really get along, but you know, Pastor, if you say so, you know, I'm going to work with her, you know, but we don't really get along. It's not tolerance. It is not rationalizing. Don't try to reason it away. It is not excusing the wrong or denying the wrongdoing has occurred. That as well. So it's not denying that. Things have happened. People were hurt in the process. Well, you've got to realize that God wants you to be in a place where you can recognize that your salvation is not tied to somebody else, but your salvation is tied to God. Somebody say amen, amen. and to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So unconditional forgiveness, another one here, is, is, a is a positive decision to let go of my right to revenge and retaliation. I do not have a right to revenge over anyone. I do not have a right to retaliate over anyone. You see, this, these lessons Joseph brothers needed to learn. They kept in their minds all these years that Joseph was just waiting for his father to die to take revenge on them. 
They kept in their minds all these years that Joseph will get us. It is just a matter of time and we will pay for the crime. But in Joseph's mind, he had long passed that stage. He had reconciled that what they did was for good and not for evil. Because you see, allow forgiveness allows the wrongdoer to go free from my punishment. It does not free the wrongdoer from responsibility for what he or she has done, from God's call to repentance, nor from the consequences of his or her behavior, but it frees him to go free from my punishment. Who am I? Am I in the place of God? Why should I want to punish somebody because they did me something wrong? I did not create them. I did not redeem them. I did not wake them up this morning. I did not put food on the table for them. I did not do anything for them. So why should I be the one to punish them? Because forgiveness is the enemy of the heart. Forgiveness saves the expense of anger, the cost of hatred, and the waste of the spirit. Some of us who are married, you know very well how this works. Let me tell you something. I've learned a secret. <laughs> and this is for those who are getting married. Right now I'm counseling two couples <laughs> for, for marriage, you know. I, I don't know. I, I, but all I have to do, I still take on these things. But I just love to see young people, you know, develop and grow and give them all these experiences of the, the, the small 27 years that we have been married. Oh, Doc, I can't, I would never catch you up, you know, you, you have been going there, you know, I, yeah. And one of the things I've learned, Elder Young, is that when something happens, you say sorry right away. And you forgive that thing, and you go to bed, you sleep sound like a baby. If you wait, the longer you wait, is the harder it gets. As the longer you sleep by yourself as well, I was, just have to throw that in. You know, you've, you've got to deal with it. Now I know that there are some things that take time to process. There are some hurts that people do to you that it, it takes time, man. It takes time to process. But, but you've got to come to a place where in that process, you've got to say, God, help me to forgive this person and to forget about what they have done to me. Yes, the pathway, Dr. Liverpool, is created in the mind there, and you might never, ever totally forget the incident, but you know what? You can come to a place where you can forgive that person and look at that person and have a relationship with that person and love that person. That's what I want as a church. We have too many of our brothers and sisters who are at war. We have cold war. We have silent war. We have hot wars. Lukewarm wars. And when we do these things, the work of God is hindered. When we do these things, our lives 
are consumed with hatred. And Jesus Christ cannot break through the barriers that we put up. Unconditional forgiveness does not deny the reality that relationships are changed by a hurtful event and may not be recoverable. And that's fine. There are some relationships that will be changed. Some will not be able to recover. But you know what? You are able to go free because you have freed up your minds in Jesus Christ. The relationship might not be able to be recovered. It might be so bad, whatever may have happened. But you know what? You have reconciled in your mind and in your thought patterns that you have forgiven and by God's grace, you will live a forgiving life. Unconditional forgiveness in no way circumvents the hard process that moves a person from deep pain to eventual healing and perhaps restoration and rebuilding of the relationship. There is a process that it goes through, but it's not an eternal process. It's not a process that goes on and on and on and on in every day. No, it's a process that the Spirit takes you through and He brings you out at the end. Because your past, as I said before, is, should be a place of reference and not a place of reference, of residence. A lot of us, our past is not only a place of reference, but is a place of residence. We live there permanently. Oh, could you remember when you did this to me? Could you remember when that was done to me? And you keep going back and going back and going back and going back to the past so that it becomes a place of residence where you live in the the past. There's no present. There's no future. You're stuck in the past. You're stuck in the unforgiveness. You're stuck in the hurt. You're stuck in the pain. When God is saying, here is a new path, a clean path, a clean slate, a clean page. I want to turn things around in your life and make you a brand new person with brand new relationships and a brand new relationship with me. Somebody say amen. God is always about newness. The devil is always about staleness and oldness. He wants to keep us in our mess. He wants to keep us back. He wants to keep us in our past when God has already liberated us from the past. Genesis 50 and verse 18. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him. So what they did was they sent a servant. <laughs> they sent a messenger. Now the poor messenger maybe did not even know that he was lying as well. Because this whole thing was a lie, it was a scheme, it was a scam. So once again, they had not learned, you see. Once again, they were trying to cover their tracks. They did it with a coat. And it worked for a time. See, when you... When you do these kind of things, they only work for a time. When you lie, it only works for a time. When you, when you are deceptive, when you deceive, it only works for a time. You ask Jacob because his sins caught up with him. And only when God touched him as he wrestled there that night before he crossed Jabbok to reach Esau, 
that he was totally forgiven, that he forgiven, he had forgiven himself, and now he was ready for a new relationship. So when Esau saw him, he saw a brand new Jacob, and not the Jacob who deceived him and left home. Your past always catches you up if you continue to lie to cover your sins. Your sins will find you out. So they sent the servant. Poor servant came and said what he said. Oh, you know, before your father died. They gave him the message. And he had to say exactly what they said. When they saw that that didn't phase Joseph, they themselves came. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. So now is another tactic now. We are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place. Now somebody ought to hear me here tonight. Joseph said to them, you have sent the servant and I've gotten the message loud and clear that you have not come to grips with your past. You are still unforgiven. You are still wallowing in the past. I have come to grips with the past and I have forgiven you by the power of God. Do not be afraid. For am I in God's place? In other words, only God takes vengeance. Only God judges. Somebody ought to hear me here tonight. Only God is positioned to know the heart of every one of us and to make his judgments and to give his delivery. Only God is the judge and the jury. Not me. I am not in the place of God. Somebody ought to hear me here. So don't be afraid because I'm not in the place of God. I am the one who need forgiveness as much as you do. I have already reconciled myself to God. You need to do the same. Watch what verse 20 says. As for you, you meant evil against me. (laughs) I love this text. But God meant it for good (laughs) in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. How many times he uses that? He says, don't be afraid. I'm not in the place of God. Then he says again in verse 21, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. They came bowing down before him. They bowed down before him in Egypt. Before, when they were pleading for the life of Benjamin. 
They bowed down before him when they came for grain. He had predicted long a time ago that they will bow down before him. And now at the death of his father, of their father, they're bowing down before him again. Joseph recognized that whatever God says will come to pass. Joseph recognized that God was in this and this was not about him. It was all about God. And so Forgiveness was all part and parcel of his experience with his brothers. You see, the stimulus to forgive unconditionally comes from the awareness of the magnitude of our own forgiveness by Jesus Christ. There is a story that I will just relate to you quickly because you know it in Matthew 18, 33 to 35. Jesus tells a parable of a servant who owed a whole lot of money. As a matter of fact, he, he owed thousands, thousands, over a hundred thousand something he, he owed. And he, it was time for him to repay. He prostrated himself before the king and he begged for forgiveness. Begged for mercy. The king said to him, Okay, I hear you. I forgive you of all your death. Go, and you are death free. He walks out of that palace. He sees a fellow servant who had just a few dollars for him. He began to choke him when he said he didn't have the money to pay. He began to berate him. He reported him to the authorities so that he could be thrown in jail for just a few dollars. When the king heard that this servant had done that to his fellow servant, the king said, you are a wicked servant. I have forgiven you hundreds of thousands. As a matter of fact, if you do the calculation, he would have had to spend some 300 years in jail to pay for the money he owed. He would have had to probably got on the lifespan at that time was very, very short. So you could tell how many lifespans he had to go through to pay that death. A wicked servant. You know, anyone can hold a grudge. But it takes a person with character to forgive. When you forgive, you release yourself from a painful burden. Forgiveness does not mean what happened was okay. It does not mean that person should still be welcome in your life. It just means you have made peace with the pain and you're ready to let go. So forgiveness is grace we offer as an extension of our own pardon. We simple pa simply pass on what we have received. Simply pass on what we have received. Genuine forgiveness is a free gift offered in love by the one who has been wronged. It may never be asked for, but it is there as a reservoir of refreshing. 
To have been forgiven already, whether or not forgiveness is asked for, is the balm which brings healing and peace to the heart of the offended one. Forgiveness sets two captives free from the destructive malice of payback. The offender and the wounded one. Somebody ought to say amen. Forgiveness is permission to leave your baggage behind. Forgiveness is permission to leave your baggage behind. As we wrap this service up here tonight, I don't know what baggage you're carrying. Some of us, we have big bags, big baggage we are carrying, lots of stuff. Things that we are dragging around with us. Sins that have not been forgiven, petty sins that we, have old, that we are holding on to, favorite sins that we are holding on to, small sins, big sins, large sins, medium sins, things that we are holding on to. Some of us, we have people in our hearts that we are not forgiving for years. We're not talking to them, family members, because they took land from us. They took money that we, were, that we thought we were supposed to get even though we didn't work for it. We, we, we have been fighting back and forth. We have been carrying pains and, 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 and aches. And some of us, we, 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 have, we have not forgiven our husbands because they walked out on us. And we have not forgiven our wives because they left us to raise the children on our own. Some of us have not forgiven the church because the church did us wrong. Some of us have not forgiven ourselves. Because of the decisions that we have made. I don't care tonight what the baggage is. What I know, friends, is that burdens are lifted at Calvary. Because Jesus is always near. You can leave the burdens at the foot of the cross because one day, a dark day, on a garbage dump outside of Jerusalem called Golgotha, Jesus Christ was nailed to a tree. The same tree that he had created. He was plunged, that cross was plunged into the earth, the same earth that he had created. He bled. And he died on that cross. So that a reservoir of forgiveness can be created. So that whosoever will, you, my friend online, young person online, someone who will see this message in the future, God, Jesus died for you. So that you can have forgiveness. So that you don't have 
to carry your burdens anymore. Those of us here in church, Jesus died for you. I don't know you. I don't know your past. I don't know where you've been, where you came from. But what I do know is that Jesus Christ lifts burdens. And he is willing to set all of us free tonight. The numbers are up there. There are some of you, you know that you have to call. You can call for baptism. You can call for Bible studies. You can call so that you can find out where the church is and come. Somebody can come for you even and bring you to church. So you can call so that you can develop a relationship with Jesus. There are elders and pastors and, and, and loving people here who are willing to work with you so that you can know Jesus personally. Uh, most importantly, the Holy Spirit is available to work with you. And Jesus Christ wants to save you. He wants to take away the pain, take away the burdens, take away the sufferings, take away the guilt, take away those things that are holding you back, the chains that are binding you. He wants to take them away so he can liberate you and set you free. Because God loves to free the prisoner. He loves to free the sinner. He loves to free his people. Allow him to do it tonight, I beg you. Give him a chance. You have given everything else a chance. And they have failed you. Why not give God a chance tonight? Give Jesus a chance in your life so that you can be liberated and be set free. Why not give him your life tonight so that he can make you into a beautiful, a beautiful person. He can build you after the symmetry of a, of a palace. He can, he can just, just mold you and give you a glow that when people see you, they will say, wow, is this Alice? Is this John? I... Never seen them before. I know it's John, but it doesn't look like John that I know. That's what God does. When he lifts the burden of sin, lifts the burden of unforgiveness, lifts the pain from our lives, he liberates us and he sets us free. Give him a chance tonight. If you want God to do something special for you tonight, why don't you stand with me as we pray to close this? this part of the service and transitioned into our anointing service. Lord, we thank you that in spite of who we are, what we have done, where we have been, that you are willing to take charge of our lives. God, there's nothing more that we can do but to say, accept us just as we are and give us the strength Give us the power to yield everything to you, God. God, we are tired of trying on our own. 
We are tired of the pains of life. We are tired of the burdens that we carry. We are tired of the disappointments that are everywhere in the world and in our lives. We want you, Jesus. So become personal to us. Become real to us. Become near to us. And do not just be a, a transcendental God who is somewhere far away, but be the imminent God who lives and dwells in our hearts so that we can be saved and we can be liberated. Speak to somebody tonight online. Speak to some young person, someone who's been coming to this church but have not made a commitment. Speak to somebody, God, and give them the courage to accept you as Lord and Savior. And now, God, as we transitioned into our anointing service for those who are sick, we pray, God, that the same spirit that has been with us here in this preaching service will be with us in the healing service. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let everybody say, Amen. God bless you. Please be seated.